You who are the living eternal word, come now. Speak your specific word for this day, for this hour, for this people. We receive with gladness, Lord God, your life today. Come. Come and fill us, God. Surround us in your banner today, Lord, as we receive your word with gladness. In Jesus' name. All God's people said. Amen, 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 amen. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Jim Olson. I'm one of the staff here who've been around a long time. Soon I'll be celebrating my 24th anniversary here. It's a joy to serve here among you all. I'm so grateful these last weeks. Thank you. We've been in the midst of a study out of the book of Colossians, entitled Christ in You. For the last three Sundays, I have not been the one to bring the word here on Sunday mornings. I've been preaching some of our other fellowship churches as well as our Bethel family of churches. But I'm grateful for the word that James brought three weeks ago, that Pastor Sam brought a couple weeks ago, and the word that Eric brought last week. And Eric began with a public confession that was powerful. He's been married a month now. And he's made mistakes. Thank you for your transparency, Eric. That was beautiful. I've been married over 30 years, and um, I'm past that now. So I just want you to know. So I can say that because my wife isn't here this morning. But I do have a problem. My problem is these boots. Can you see my boots? They're beautiful. These are my winter boots. I actually don't wear them very much anymore because Noah generally wears them because his feet are bigger than mine now. But I have a problem because every single time that I wear these boots, I end up with these major sores right here on my ankles. In fact, I have two pairs of shoes. I have, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's something about that. Hmm. I have another pair of shoes that rubs in the back, and I have this pair that this pair of boots that rubs me here. And every time I wear these boots, I end up with these big sores on my ankles. And this is the honest truth. I think our bodies have like body memory. And every time I begin to even put these boots on, my feet go, really? You're going to put them on again? Even this morning when I was lacing them up right here, I usually put Band-Aids on to have preventative, and I don't have Band-Aids with you this morning, so. Looks good? Thank you. Makes the outfit. But I actually have a purpose in telling you this, because this morning, the title of my message is A Fitting Life. And so this morning I want to talk to you about 
in a really practical, down-to-earth way about how your and my life can have a better fit and maybe actually help us deal with some of the rubbing that happens among us and between us. So with your permission, I'm going to remove these now and put on my shoes that do fit so that I don't end up this morning with more sores to deal with when I go home. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at Colossians 3.18 to chapter 4, verse 1. And as Eric so um, pointedly pointed out, if I can say it that way, I guess I will, last week, that everything is built on a foundation here, and so all of what is coming today is built on the foundation of what's come before in the book of Colossians. And so when we get to this particular passage, we've already been introduced deeply to, um, to all of this incredible reality that Paul has shared with us about Christ in us, the hope of glory, and we've, we've learned about the gospel, and we've been introduced to the, the power of God um, in Christ working in us, and the transformation that he brings into our lives. And so now, he turns to the, a very practical reality, the reality of our relationships with one another. Because I want, how many of you know this, and if you don't know this, I'm going to tell you this, that is that a mature Christian life, we're we're talking, this is our year 2014, this is why we're focusing around these scriptures here and will be in the months to come. Our key scripture here is in uh, chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, this growing up in the Lord, however, you must understand, does not happen in isolation. Holiness and godliness has sometimes been reduced, particularly in, um, in, in, in streams of Christian... Uh, uh, you know, in, in, in streams of Christianity that focus particularly on holiness as a, as a core part of, of their doctrine, that holiness has sometimes been reduced to sort of a personal list of things that we do and don't do. And of course, Pastor Sam dealt with that a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of reduced to issues of how I comport myself in my own individual life. However, I would contend it to you this morning that the Christian life and godliness and holiness is actually worked out in the context of our relationships with one another. 
In fact, that is a really good indicator of the level of our personal growth and maturity is how our lives get worked out in the context of life with one another. So relationship is a great barometer for growing maturity. So the Apostle Paul, in Colossians 3, gives us some ways in which we can discover how to live our lives together in relationship with one another. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, Provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now this is a passage of scripture which we could unpack over weeks and weeks and weeks, but we're going to try to do that over minutes and minutes and minutes here this morning. And I want to begin by contextualizing it because I think that's important in understanding the context in which Paul is speaking into. In the context that Paul is speaking into, they're living in the Roman Empire at that point. There were at least 60 million slaves that were part of the Roman Empire. Not only that, um, within the context of the Roman Empire, children and wives, women had literally no rights whatsoever. They had no, you know, they had no, really no value in the context of the Roman Empire. And not only within the context of the Roman Empire, but even within Jewish culture, particularly women and children, were viewed as far less than men. In fact, there was a Jewish prayer that a Jewish male would pray every morning as part of his morning prayers. Thank God that he has not made me a Gentile a woman, or a slave. So it's in that context that we need to understand Paul's writing here in Colossians chapter 3. Also, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 5, if you look in there, Paul gives an extended treatise on the same issues, and he begins that treatise with a scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, which he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So 
So the context for what Paul is saying here is in the context of mutual submission to one another. And here's what that will look like as it worked out. But, and, he, and he goes on and he, and he underscores that here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 to verse, chapter 4, verse 1. But before we get into the inner workings of the specific commands that he gives to us so to pour oil into our relationships i want to look at three foundational principles that flow out of this passage and specifically flow out of this understanding in ephesians 5 21 where we are called to submit to one another out of reverence for christ because there is a very specific connection here to our passage in colossians the first of these is that there are reciprocal responsibilities There are reciprocal responsibilities. Part of what is radical here is that Paul speaks to husbands and parents and masters. Typically, in that day and time, there would be treaties written about the responsibilities of women and children and slaves, but nothing would be said about the other. And so Paul's focus here on reciprocal responsibilities is a key to understanding this passage. In other words, everyone has responsibilities that are a higher priority than their rights. I often tell couples when they're coming in to speak with me and share with me about marriage situations and things like that, and I talk about this with our pre-marriage couples, your responsibilities are more important than your rights. We live in a culture that focuses on rights. Scripture focuses on responsibilities. Secondly, this is in reverence for Christ. Even notice what it says here in Colossians chapter 3 It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting. That's a key piece here. As is fitting in the Lord. That's that same context here of the reverence for Christ. But that the overarching principle covers not just wives, but all of us. Everything that we do in terms of our relationships with one another is out of reverence for Christ. Everyone is under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Everyone here, and he's in the context of placing everyone under the lordship of Christ. So that fitting in the Lord is not a little trite addendum. It is foundational to actually understanding relationship. I've shared with you the triangle before. The triangle being this, as each of us, if this was my wife and this was me and we've been married now for almost 31 years and and the Lord is on top, the more that we are in submission to Christ, the more we move up closer to him, the closer we will become to one another. It is the reverence for Christ. It is the more that I find myself under the rule and reign of Christ, the more I will fulfill my responsibilities to my wife and the closer and more intimate our relationship will become. Thirdly, there is a revolutionary reordering here that takes place. A revolutionary 
reordering. And that is that every relationship on earth is transformed into his kingdom order of interdependence. I've had the privilege of marrying now two of my daughters, um, two other men. I mean, I didn't marry them, but they married. Okay. I performed the ceremony for two of my daughters. And I have, you know, a third daughter, and I have a son. Love them all. And I told my daughters, and and part of our raising them, we raised our daughters to be strong, independent women. Moving them from dependence to independence. But on their wedding day, I had the joy of telling them both, now, my dear beloved daughters, I am inviting you, and the Lord is inviting you into something new that's even greater than independence. He's inviting you now into interdependence. Because that's the goal of transformed kingdom relationships is where there is interdependence one with another. And we see that in the reciprocity even of husband, wife, parent, child, a master, slave. In all of these relationships, there is interdependence that is the highest place to which he brings us. Okay? Everybody with me so far? Yes? You're doing good. All right. Well... Let's begin. What does this look like for husbands and wives? Well, the first scripture here, wives, submit to your husband, submit yourselves to your husband, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So, wives, what does that mean? Wives, respect your husbands. Here's what submission looks like for wives. It has to do with respect. Now, the moment... We say these words, by the way. Does anybody's, you know, little, little hair going up on the back of your neck? All right? You know, this is, this is I always love preaching this one, okay, as a, as a, as a husband. You know, it's just, it's, it, it's a little bit, you know, challenging. Wives, submit to your husband. It, it, and I always am reminded of this story. This, uh, the, the story of the, the um, St. Peter was at the gates of heaven, and he walked out and he saw this long line of men standing under this placard. And he went and he looked at the placard, and the placard said, men who submit to their wives. And there was this huge, long line of men standing under this placard. And so he went over and he saw this one guy standing over on the other side of the gate, and he looked up at the placard, and it said, men whose wives submit to them. And there was one guy there, and he said, well, who are you, sir? And he said, well, my name is Bob. And he said, well, why are you standing over here under this placard? And he said, well, I don't know, but my wife told me to. (laughs) All right, just got to let a little air into the room. Okay. But part of why this is difficult is because we have a fundamental misunderstanding about what 
submission means. And Paul, again, in Ephesians, the end of the Ephesians 5 passage, he talks about it in terms of respect for husbands. In fact, you know, there's, there's been studies and, and there's a wonderful book out there called Love and Respect. Or it's, it, and it, it gets, what's good about it is it gets at a core principle, and, and that is this. Submission for a wife looks like respect for her husband. Submission for a husband looks like love for his wife. As a husband, I can tell you, respect just breathes air into my life. It breathes air into my soul. You know, wives, we know, you know, and we've just done Valentine's Day, and so we've done love and love, love, love. And, you know, I know that my wife loves me, and I need her love. I desperately desire her love. I'm not saying that love, her love isn't important to me. But if she were to come to me and say, honey, I love you, but I don't respect you, that would just put a sword right through my heart. In the same way, wives, of course, need respect, but they need love in a way that if, you, if your husband came to you and said, honey, I really respect you, but I don't really love you. But what is submission? Submission is not something that is placed upon it is something that is voluntarily and willingly given. And it is not subservience. It's not some sort of subjection. It's not some sort of way. It's, it's rather, and here's the way I would put it, the responsibility of wives before the Lord is a voluntary submission. It is a supportive participation in a marriage relationship. It is showing up with respect for your husband in a way that supports him and comes alongside of him to encourage him to become all that God has intended for him to be. And on behalf of husbands, let me tell you, we need that loving respect of our wives to participate with us in a supportive way, to come alongside, to encourage, and to build up, and to say, you can do it, I'm with you, I'm for you. I'm so grateful for my wife. And if she was here, I would say the same thing. In front of her, as I would say, when she's not here, and that is that she is just a profoundly fitting wife to me. As she pours oil of grace into our relationship for all of these years, choosing to be voluntarily submissive, supportively participating in this marriage partnership that we share together. Husbands, love your wives. Now if we were to go, go, go back to the Ephesians passage, and we're going to be studying Ephesians in the months to come, so we'll get back to this again. You'll notice there that the, uh, that the amount of verses that are spoken of for the husbands is much longer than the amount of verses that are spoken for the wives, and perhaps that's because um, we've got a bit more work to do in our lives. <laughs> it's true. I know I've shared it before. I mean, you know, I was no particular prize when I got married 31 years ago. I was young and oh, 
Well, I didn't know a lot, so I learned. Um, and it's been a growing and a learning and a wonderful experience, and my wife's been so patient. But I love my wife. And that love that we are given, the responsibility of the husbands before the Lord, is a sacrificial, selfless, steadfast love in a marriage partnership. And let's unpack those words for a moment. Sacrificial. Because Paul says in Ephesians that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He gave her everything. It is selfless. And guys, it's not about, so, so our wives, you know, and their submission for us, it's not about you controlling their behavior so that, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, you've got a remote control and you click and, you know, your wife becomes the, the, the wife you want her to be. No, you're not looking out so much for your need. You're looking out, how is it that I can bless and encourage and help my wife become all that she is called to be in the context of this marriage? And there's a steadfast to, steadfastness to this. I believe that, and this is not, you know, I just believe that in the nature of way God has made us, he's made us with dignity and equality, but we also have distinctiveness. And I believe that one of the things that that is a part of, and, and in my conversations with women for 30 years now in pastoral ministry, hearing their hearts and, and listening carefully to my own wife and my own daughters, three of them now, uh, grown up. And, and one of the things that they desire is a stability, a steadiness, a sense of security around their relationship. You know, I tell my wife all the time how much I love her, okay? I'm not going to be like Oli and Lena when Lena came to him and said, Oli, we've been married now for 40 years, and I never hear you tell me that you love me. And Oli says, well, oh, Lena, I told you I loved you when we got married, and I'll let you know if I ever change my mind, okay? (laughs) So we don't want to be like that. Our wives need to know, they need to hear They need to tangibly experience the fact that you love them. I don't hang up the phone without telling my wife that I love her. It doesn't get old. It is a groove in our life through which the oil of God's grace can flow. My wife knows that I love her, and that's not changing, and that will continue. And it's a beautiful thing, and I think my kids would be able to attest to this. It gives a security to your children as well. This isn't a marriage seminar, but let me tell you, the most important relationship for your children is not your relationship with them, but your relationship with your spouse. And if you're a single parent, I understand there are different dynamics, and I don't have time to go into all of that today. But let me just say that this relationship is vitally important as the centerpiece of your life together as a family. Husbands, before the Lord, sacrificial, selfless, steadfast love in a marriage partnership. And do not be, it says, do not be harsh with them. Guys, we can wound our wives. Eric is not the only husband who's made his wife cry. He shared that last week. Thank you again for your transparency. We've, all of us, who are husbands, have at one time or another made our wives cry. Through our actions, through our harsh words, through whatever it is, gentlemen, we have an obligation before the Lord not to be harsh with our wives. To be tender, to be compassionate. We always, you know, part of our prayers, 
for our boy is that he will grow up to be a gentleman. Gentleness is strength under control. Want him to be a strong man and a gentleman. One who will love well. All right? In this context, there's oil in the relationship and the shoes fit. (laughs) And you're able to take that marriage journey along the way. Some of those couples are going to be talking at the Lamo uh, thing coming up. That'd be great. Go to it. Bless you. Parents and children. Parents and children. Now, here's what it says. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. All right, so children, obey your parents. And all the parents say... What do the parents say? All right, we love this one. All right, children, obey your parents. All right, okay. You kids getting notes on this? Okay, all right, this is good. In everything. (laughs) Preach it, pastor. Now, this is a stronger word than submission, obey comes under the realm of submission, but it's even stronger. What does obey mean? Can somebody tell me what obey means? I think I've told you the definition before, but somebody tell me. What, what is the simplest definition of obedience? What does it mean? Somebody said it? Say it louder. Listen and do. So the responsibility of children is to respect and respond to their parents by listening and doing what they instruct you to do. Now, the children aren't here today, so, you know, they're already out in their classes, so I'm not going to unpack this at great length, but here is a responsibility in everything. So children, I mean, God has placed your parents in your life for your well-being and for your good, and your opportunity and responsibility is to respect and respond to them by listening and doing what they instruct you to do. Even when you don't understand, which... We often won't as children. But unless they're inviting or asking you to do something that would be illegal or immoral or something against the, 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 the laws and rules of God, we have the responsibility before God as children to listen and to do what they instruct us to do. Now, parents, don't provoke your children. So, what does that mean in the context here? So, fathers, do not embitter or provoke. And the fathers there is generic enough that it could be parents as well, and I think that's true of all, but he's speaking specifically here. And and again, note in the reciprocal responsibilities, calling out fathers and their responsibilities, because fathers in the Roman, they were, you know, they were rulers. The pater familias over their families, they were the... They, they were the ones, they, they, they ruled with iron fist, okay? Now, I tell my children, and they've heard me say this a thousand times, this is not a democracy. It's a benevolent dictatorship. But benevolence is important here, all right? It's benevolent. The responsibility of parents is to lovingly train their children with consistency, with consideration, and with care. 
When it says train up a child in the way they should go, that means provide them with a moral framework, but it also means that in the way that they should go. And if your child is called to something, you know, God creates our children in his image, and then we as parents often try to reshape them in ours. That is not our responsibility as parents. Our responsibility as parents is to discover the callings and the abilities and the passions and the heart and the things that God has given to them, and then release them into that. Empower them into becoming all that God has called them to be. And you do that with consistency. You know, 90% of parenting is showing up day after day after day. Showing up. And, you know, some of you have had the joy and the gift of children who um, there is no line that you will put down that they will not find a way around. So you have a couple of choices. You can either erase the lines or you can write the line again. And here it is. Consistency. Consideration to their feelings, to who they are, to what they are. This ongoing opportunity to dialogue and discover together where God is leading them and what God's leading them into. And with care. I mean, you are to nourish and feed them and Children grow up and blossom in an environment where they know that they are loved and cherished and cared for. Where they receive the blessing from you. Be careful of the words that you use on your children. Use words that build up. Use words that show them who they can be and who they can become. That lift them up. Not tear them down. Not embitter them, not provoke them, not discourage them, but encourage them. All right? So much more we could go into, but time's running away. So finally, masters and slaves. Now, again, the Bible doesn't hear directly. I mean, the Scripture, here's the interesting things about the Scripture. In the context in which it was, you know, the Lord came and the Spirit of God was moving here and, and, and uh, empowering and uh, the words that Paul would speak and inspiring him. He didn't directly take on slavery like as an institution, but the seedbed for its demise was in the words that Paul speaks right here. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. There's that reverence again. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So now I'm going to put this in the context here this morning of employers and employees because that's more connected to where we are at today. Employees, obey your employers. Wow. Now doesn't that strike a dissonant chord with our cultural reality? But what does that mean 
It means the responsibility of employees is to respectfully, conscientiously, and willingly do their work with sincerity and integrity of heart. Years ago, there was a study done, this is many years ago, of Christian employees and non-Christian employees, and they found that essentially there was no difference between the two in terms of a lot of their behavior at work, in terms of um, doing things properly, in terms of um, like just even integrity issues and things like that. It's very sad. As employees, you know... Uh, we, we want to do it with respect, with conscientiousness, and willingly doing our work. Not with somebody hanging over us, compelling and controlling, but, but this willingness to do what our job is to do. And sometimes that job isn't all that pretty. I've done everything. I mean, you know, I've done manual labor types of work. I've cleaned toilets. I've done, you know, whatever. And by gum, you know, I want that toilet to be the cleanest thing that could be. When you work, I, I, you know, I, did, I worked in a factory for a summer where my dad worked. And trust me, cleaning the employee bathrooms in a factory is not really, you know. But it was good work to do as a young man to do it with all of my heart, to clean it well. Because I'm doing it for the Lord, not simply for myself or for the paycheck and, or even for other people, though I want to do it for my, not only the people who are over me, but for the people around me. I do want to do it well. I want to hold up my part. I want to do what I do. I try to do what I do here with conscientiousness, with respect, willingly doing the work that I have been given to do as an employee, as it were. Sincerity and integrity of heart. Now, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, they, they, um, when you became a member of the church, you were required to go before a panel of the leaders and give bear witness to the fact that you had experienced true gospel transformation in your life. And this maid came in. She was a house servant in a, in a home, and she was before this, this tribunal, and they asked her, what proof can you give that you have truly found Christ and are following and serving him. And she said, well, before I came to Christ, when I was doing my work in the home, I would take the dust that I would sweep up and I would hold up the rug and I would put it and sweep it underneath the rug and put it down. Since I have come to Christ, I no longer do that. And they said, that's enough. That shows transformation. Employers provide for your employees. If you're an employee, we have the responsibility to treat our employees, if you're an employer, is to treat our employees with respect, equality, and justice under the leadership of Christ. I mean, what Paul says here to masters, nobody talked to masters. And he says, masters, provide for your slaves what is right and fair because you also know you have a master in heaven. He completely flipped over the, the sort of the, the uh, you know, the, the leadership chart and said, you know what, you think you're in the, at the top place, but in fact, you're in the same place as those who are slaves to you, as those employees, because you too have a master in heaven. So treat your employees with respect and equality and justice. 
And you're saying to yourself, well, pastor, that's a beautiful utopian dream. <laughs> I, I don't see that where I work. I don't see that in my home with my children, and I don't see that in my marriage with my spouse. Well, today you can begin to make a step. It says here in our scripture in Colossians that we are to do this. What does it say here? It says, what have you, work at it with all your heart. So it begins sort of as an inside-out work. It's allowing, and, and right before um, we ended worship, Hannah had that declaration from, that, from the Old Testament scripture of not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So it's not going to be by you simply gritting your teeth. I can't simply say, you know, I can't simply put on my boots and say, okay, you will not rub today. I have to do something. I actually have to change something of the dynamic in order for them not to rub. I have to put oil. I put Neosporin. I put Band-Aid on there. I make sure that there's oil in there so that it won't rub and chafe and end up with wounds. And you have an opportunity to begin to pour oil into your relationships. If you're a husband, you have an opportunity to pour oil into your relationship with your wife. If you're a wife, pour oil into your relationship with your husband. If you're a parent, pouring oil into your relationship with your child. Child, pouring oil into your relationship with your parent. Employer, pouring into oil into your relationship with your employees. Employees, into pouring oil into your relationships with your employer. We all have this opportunity to do this with all of our heart. And will we achieve perfection on earth? I don't think so. Because in fact, after 30, almost 31 years of marriage, Eric, I can tell you that I'm still making some mistakes. I know. Shocking as it may be. I'm still growing and learning. As a parent, I've been parenting for 29 years. You know, and you'd think by now I'd have it perfect, but my children will tell you that it's not quite perfect yet. Dad's not quite perfect. And I work with a lot of staff, and I've worked with a lot of staff over a lot of years. Still growing, still not perfect. But with all of our heart as we pursue this, do you see how this could pour oil in? Do you see how relationships could begin to change? Do you see how we could radiate joy and freedom to the world around us if we began to live out the realities here, if we began to focus on our responsibilities rather than our rights? So don't go home and take your wife's lipstick and write on the mirror, wives, submit to your husbands. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, don't wrap your husband's sandwich in a napkin that says, don't be harsh with your wife. Don't go home as much as it will be over 
lunch today as you, the children are gathered around, and let's talk about what we learned today in service. Children, obey your parents. No, let's not focus on what everybody else is supposed to do. Could we focus today on what we're supposed to do? Would that be a good place to start? What's our responsibility? What does this look like for us, for me, for my life? That'll take away. You know, I used that story earlier. But really, it's just sort of a, the reason we laugh is because it's sort of this ongoing, you know, the, quote, battle of the sexes and all of that sort of stuff. God doesn't desire for there to be battle. He desires for there to be a revolutionary reordering of our relationships into interdependence where we need one another, where working together we're better. Two are better than one. Whether it's friendship, marriage, family and parenting, employers and employees, whatever it is, we work better together when we allow the oil of his grace to come in. Worship team, come on up. So in that posture, I'm going to invite you just to ask the Lord, and there's, it's going to be a pretty simple response today. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet, if you're physically able. And before anybody leaves, if we can just, I'm going to have a closing prayer here and benediction, but we're going to sing this song as a prayer this morning. It's very simple. In my life, in my home, in my work, in your church, Lord, be glorified. Just sing it as a prayer today. And if there's particular something the Lord spoken to you about this morning that you just need to open up your heart to today, just let the Spirit of the Lord speak to you today. We need you. We need you to be able to live out a life of lovingly submitting to one another and of reverence for you. And so, Lord, we ask you to come and you'd fill us with your spirit so that we could treat one another, husbands, wives, children, parents, friends, coworkers, with the love and the respect and the goodness that you call us to. Help us, Lord. Lovingly, help us, Lord, to grow up yeah. so that we can be your people. Grow us up, Lord, and bless us and help us to do your work in our relationships. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Now with open hands, I pray that you would be filled afresh this day with the immeasurable love of God the Father. 
with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit, be with you and yours. As you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations, go with the banner of his favor over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or our eternal home, I pray that his goodness and grace will chase you down every day of your life for his glory and praise. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Go in the goodness and grace of the Lord. Be blessed.